So welcome to the first week of this series of um, talks on Christianity Explored. This is a discussion-based study. I'm looking forward to beginning tonight. I'm glad you're here. Right from the outset, I want to say this. The goal of this series of, of lessons or discussions is to look at the good news of Jesus really with fresh perspective. And of course, what I mean by that is we're not going to be redefining anything. We're going to be looking at it with a fresh perspective. And to just look at it from the standpoint of uh, someone that doesn't know a lot about the gospel. Maybe there's maybe you have a friend or a family member or coworker who is a bit skeptical. In fact, how many in the room right now, before you, um, let's just do a quick survey. How many of you, you grew up it with Bible-based Christianity and you became a believer from childhood? You kind of grew up with it. So look around. You can raise those high so everybody can kind of see. All right, so maybe about half the, half the room. How many of you had some kind of a religious background but not a biblical understanding of Christianity? Okay, so probably another third of the room. Anybody in here, I know we've got a couple, who were quite skeptical and even maybe a little bit antagonistic toward Christianity before you became a believer. Where are those individuals? One, two, three, four, all right, five, six, seven. So, yes, so this is the point of this. And more and more, we live in a, in a culture that people have different opinions about what Christianity is. But what, is, what does the Bible actually say? Isn't it interesting that sometimes people encounter, uh, they view Christianity through a lens that isn't even what, who Jesus claimed to be or, any, or what the Bible actually says. So that's the point of looking at this. So you see on your welcome um, on the handout that so over the next several questions, we explore, uh, I'm sorry, next seven, seven sessions, we explore three questions that cut to the heart of Christianity. Who is Jesus? What did he achieve? And how should we respond? Who is Jesus? What did he achieve? And how should we respond? So questions are welcome, difficult, etc. Now I want to encourage you that you're welcome to obviously take this material and somebody doesn't have to come to this class per se. You might know somebody that would be open to having a discussion. Feel free to use this material to go with them. Now, the text for the class is the Gospel of Mark. So you want to have the Gospel of Mark handy with you. So the Gospel of Mark is what we're going to look at, and I'll say a little bit more about that in just a minute. Now, let's ask a question to get this started. I have the one question in the notes, and then I might have a follow-up depending on how it goes. Outside of the Gospel, what is the best news you've ever heard? Anybody think of something? The, think of the best news that you've ever heard outside of... We've got somebody coming in, if you could help them out, Dad or Ken, that'd be awesome. Outside of maybe the, the gospel, what is the best news that you've ever heard? Somebody? Yes, sir. Okay, good, good. I would say that's tied in with the gospel. So, but what, somebody, just give me an example of some good news that you heard that maybe impacted your life, outside of spiritual things, maybe. Anybody? You're smiling there. You got something or no? You're not sharing? It's the best news, but you're not. It's, it's too good. Oh, personal good news. Awesome. Anybody else? The best news that you've ever heard. Surely somebody's got something, huh? I got a lot of smiles out there, but no participants. So 
I won't. Uh, okay, we have our first one. Yes, sir. The best news was the, all right, very good. The, that, I was waiting for one of the guys to say that. The best I news was, you you didn't have time. Anybody else? The best news that you have ever heard. Anybody? Something else? Oh, 56 years ago. Awesome. All right. Well, let me, let, you got something? Was there a hand starting there? Somebody? Wow. That's a great example. So your son was in critical condition and you got the news, the call that you were there. And that was good news that he was going to make it. Our family got that with my sister-in-law, Kristen, when we found out that how, how her life was, it's such jeopardy. And we got the news that she's okay. They stopped the bleeding. That's, that is good news. It's the kind of news that makes you stop and reevaluate things, right? Yeah, Charlie. Uh, that reminded me of, of St. James, when he was pregnant with James. He had an emergency and he went to the nursing and they told her to do that, that she was saved. Uh. Wow, that's so. Yeah, a wrong diagnosis. My my parents dealt with something like that with one of my siblings, where they were given a wrong diagnosis, and all of a sudden, finally, somebody got the good news that this was a mistake, and that, yeah, wow. Anybody else before we move on? The best news that you've ever heard. All right, awesome. Now let me ask you this question, and that's really the so the whole idea here is that the gospel. That's what it means, and I'm kind of getting ahead of things, but gospel means good news, but not good news like you know, your team won the game. Good news that kind of stops. And, and the thing about the gospel, and we have to remember as Christians how we present it, the gospel is, is such good news that even if people don't believe it, they should want to believe it. And that's, that, that's what's amazing about the, looking at the life of Christ. Now let me ask you this, a follow-up question, and, and I'll keep this in the explore section there. What do you think... What do you think are some misconceptions that people have about what Christianity is? Let's just get that right out of the gate. Some misconceptions about what Christianity is. Anybody? Yes, Cheryl. It's all rules. That's probably a big one. In other words, this is, a, this is something you want to control my life, right? Like that's the, the thrust is it's a system of rules to live your life by. Yeah, that's a common misconception. Deborah, what were you going to say? Yeah, that Christianity is about like cleaning up your life, so to speak. That's one type of misconception about Christianity. Yes. Oh, so people don't realize what a predicament we're in. Okay. Right. Yeah, so almost like a, con a collection of proverbs or principles or stories, and you kind of put it together. Yeah. Somebody else, a misconception about Christianity. How about that it's unscientific? 
right? A common conception now is that Christianity is oppressive, right? That, that it is, that it, it's oppressive. I'll tell you a quick little story. We're talking about good news, right? And this very series, talking about people's conception of Christianity. So I'm trying to do my very best to promote these kind of things in the community. So we have the cards to invite people. I spent some money to advertise it on Facebook and to spark curiosity. And I posted uh, an invitation on a community forum with good news. The, the, the forum is called North Adams Good News. And I posted an invitation. I said, hey, our church is having this series of talks. It's open to believers and skeptics alike, whoever wants to come. The post got taken down got removed. I was a little surprised. I'm going to keep after it though, little by little. Every now and then I'll post some more good news. I'm not, I'm not going to take, I'm not going to be adversarial about it, but there's a misconception even among where we live that if we're just talking about Christianity, just by talking about it, we're somehow trying to, I, I don't know exactly how to put it, but that it's, it's forbidden speech sometimes. Right, and we're not trying to jam anything down anyone's throat. We want to be, as our culture says, we're open-minded. Let's listen to you. Let's share it. Let's see who did Jesus say he was? What's it about? So I'd encourage anybody, if you've got a friend, and, and maybe you do have a friend, or you are someone maybe that is a little bit antagonistic to it, ask your friend or ask yourself the question, am I, or am I if, if we live in a pluralistic society, are we treating the message of Jesus with that same open-minded, fair-minded approach that we claim to believe in our 21st century society, right? So that's a little bit of perspective. Now, why the Gospel of Mark? This series, this, uh, this study does come with a series of uh, videos. I don't know if I'll play them every single week, but I do want to kind of introduce you to uh, the, the person who leads this, this, who's put this together. Interestingly, this, this study is used all throughout Europe. It was done in the U United Kingdom, and I posted this, and one of my friends who's a missionary, and uh, he's a, like a, a, a church planter in England, he said, we love using this class in London. So they use it in London, and lots of people in Europe, and churches, uh, they'll use this in a, very, in a society that's very secular, people that are not looking for a church to go to, but they'll open their ears, they'll open their eyes to at least hear what... Uh, the Bible has to say. So it's about 10 minutes, and this will set the, uh, set the tone for what we're, what we're talking about. Hopefully my control will work. What's the most beautiful sight you've ever seen? For me it was probably Table Mountain in South Africa. I was visiting my twin sister and some friends and I took a cable car to the top. I remember watching the sun break through the clouds and light up Cape Town 3,000 feet below. It was so stunning we lost all track of our conversation and just stood there in silence. What would it be for you? And when you saw what you saw, I wonder if you asked yourself the same questions I did. 
What kind of power could have produced something so achingly beautiful that it reduces a human being to sheer, wordless wonder? Did all this beauty really just happen by chance? How did life begin without life to create it in the first place? And even if I do decide it all happened completely by chance, why is there anything here at all? Why is there something and not nothing? Then there are the stars, millions of millions of miles above us. Apparently, there are at least a hundred billion stars in our galaxy alone. And scientists estimate there are at least a hundred billion galaxies in the universe. And it's not just the larger things in life that are truly remarkable. It's the smaller things too. There are 75,000 miles of blood vessels crammed inside us and at least 50 trillion cells. If the DNA from a single human cell was stretched out, it would measure about six feet in length. So if all the DNA contained within the cells of a single human being was stretched out and laid end to end, it would reach all the way to the moon and back again 8,000 times. You're amazing. And if you saw something that stunning in a gallery or heard something that beautiful on the radio, you'd instinctively ask, who created it? And if someone were to tell you that this incredible piece of art or music just came together by itself without any author to create it, would you believe them? The Bible quite unashamedly says that all this natural beauty is meant to point us towards God, the one who created the extraordinary scale and complexity of the universe we live in and the bodies we inhabit. But as a younger man, I had a real problem with all that. Although my experience of the universe was that it really was extraordinary, Christianity definitely was not. First of all, it was incredibly dull. I used to go to church about once a month, and when I did, I just sat there counting the number of bricks up the wall. Secondly, I couldn't see what it had to do with me. I couldn't relate to the religious people I met, and I couldn't see the point of reading a book written 2,000 years ago and 2,000 miles away. I thought it was a bunch of rules telling me how to live my life, and actually, my life was pretty good, so I didn't need any of them. Then thirdly, and most importantly, I just thought it wasn't true. I didn't have a problem with Christmas, and as you can probably guess, I had no problem with Christmas stuffing. But Christianity itself was make-believe. I never mistook it for the real world. But then my brother did something that started to change the way I thought about Christianity. He opened a Bible and showed me the very first sentence of a book called Mark. It says this, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ. He said to me, Rico, you just don't understand what Christianity is about. You think it's all about churches and rules and leaving your brain at the door and having all your fun spoiled. But, he said to me, that's not what it's about. The first sentence of Mark says that Christianity is about Christ. He explained that the word Christ isn't Jesus' second name. It's a title, like president or prime minister, and it means God's only chosen king. And Christ was an extremely dangerous word for Mark to use here, because at the time he was writing, Roman emperors were said to have divine authority. To speak of Jesus as God's only true representative on earth was the kind of thing that got you thrown into the Colosseum to be torn apart by wild animals. 
Mark's claim that Jesus is the Christ, God's only chosen king, is just as controversial today. I wonder what you make of it. Then my brother pointed me back to the first sentence in Mark, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ. He said, Rico, not only is Christianity about Jesus Christ, it's the gospel about Jesus Christ. The word gospel literally means good news, but that doesn't really do it justice. It's more like the announcement that war is finally over. It's the kind of news that makes people dance in the streets and hug complete strangers. It's that good. So one thing I'd like to say as we start to explore Mark together is this. When you hear what you're about to hear, if you don't think it's the best news you've ever heard, you can be absolutely certain you've not understood it. And it would be so easy to miss. Have you ever had the experience of walking down the main street of a city and being offered a leaflet? You ignore it or take it and then ignore it because you don't think it will do you any good. Well, there was an experiment conducted by a London newspaper. They got a man to stand just here, outside Oxford Circus tube station, offering people a leaflet. On the leaflet was the free offer of five pounds. All you had to do was bring the leaflet back to the man and he would hand you the cash right there on the spot. Hordes of people passed him. And in three hours, only 11 people came back for the money. They thought they already knew what he was handing out, that it wouldn't do them any good. So they either didn't bother to take it, they didn't bother to read it, or if they did read it, they simply refused to believe it. Please don't make the same mistake with Mark's Gospel. Make time to pick it up and read it. Take a look at what Mark has to say about Jesus, and as you do that, I hope you'll begin to see why Mark describes Jesus as good news. No one knows exactly when Mark wrote his Gospel but it was most likely between 45 and 60 AD, within about 20 years of Jesus' death. Mark was being guided by one of Jesus' closest followers, Peter, a man who was an actual eyewitness of the remarkable events that occurred. And they were remarkable events. Right from the beginning of Mark's Gospel, strange things start to happen, supernatural things. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove, and a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Heaven gets torn open, the Holy Spirit comes down on Jesus, and God the Father announces, you are my son. And if you're thinking to yourself, well, this is just flat out weird, you're not the only one. Mark tells us that people thought exactly the same thing 2,000 years ago, including Jesus's closest followers. But maybe they should have expected it. Early in Mark's Gospel, we read a 700-year-old prediction that someone called the Lord was on his way. In other words, get ready. God is coming to meet you. The prediction also says that a messenger in the desert will tell people that the Lord is coming. That messenger, according to Mark chapter 1, was a man called John the Baptist. Mark tells us that the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. They flocked to him because if God was coming, they knew they needed to be ready. 
They knew from their own experience they were not the people they wanted to be, let alone the people God wanted them to be. So John offers them baptism with water as a sign of being washed clean, of being forgiven. When the person was lowered into the water, it was a symbol of dying to the old self. And when they were lifted out of the water, it was a symbol of being raised to new life. But John knows that when the Lord himself comes, he will offer them, and us, so much more. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. What John is saying is absolutely stunning. He's claiming that Jesus Christ will not only offer complete forgiveness to all those who put their trust in him, he will also fill those people with God's Holy Spirit, who will radically transform their lives. To those who know they are not the people they want to be, let alone the people God wants them to be, this is the best, the most remarkable news in the world. But is it true? It's certainly true that what Mark reports isn't the kind of thing people normally experience. And if Jesus is just an ordinary man, then what we read here is simply not believable. But if, as Mark claims, Jesus is much more than that, then it shouldn't surprise us that extraordinary things are starting to happen. And that is the beginning of the good news that Mark has for us. God has actually revealed himself to us in human history through Jesus Christ. When we look at Jesus, all the guessing games about God stop. The good news, according to Mark, is that Jesus really is the Christ, God's only chosen King. But Mark is just getting started. All right. So I hope that you picked up on, well, there's several things that you could pick up on there, but I think one of the things that stands out to me the most is that the goal, especially when people come to the gospel from maybe a skeptical background or something, the goal isn't always, I, I, I grew up in a concept where, and many of you did as well, where you give somebody a plan, like this is, this is the plan, this is how you become a believer, and it takes about 10 or 15 minutes. But if you notice the approach here, he's, he's not giving us everything all at once. And he quoted a lot of scripture, and we're not, we're not, uh, we're, we're not um, reticent or we're not uh, held back at quoting the scripture, but some people say, well, I don't believe the Bible. Well, the point is, it's okay if you don't believe the, mess, the, the witness of Mark right now. That's okay. But would you wait to make your final decision until you've listened to all of it, right? Would you wait to make that final decision until you've, you've given Jesus a chance? Would you, give him, would you give him a chance? So you see some of the things. Obviously, it begins with questions like, did you notice that one question? That, the one question that stood out to me is, if, there is, if there's no more meaning to life, why is there something instead of nothing? Right? Interesting, interesting kind of question. Anybody else, anything that stood out to them as you watched that and, and maybe provoked a, your thinking a certain way? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, Frank. 
Right. And to look at a, if you walk and you see a piece of art or you see a, something masterfully done, you automatically want to know, well, who did this? Where did, how, how did this, where did this come from? And so that's one of the things to, um, to, to provoke the mind, to get us to think and say, wait, there are, uh, there are questions that cannot be answered just in the, this material world. Anybody else? Something that, that stood out to you before I move on from that. Yes, Jim. Right. Hmm. It's a good point. Right. In fact, I think we forget sometimes, 2,000 years later, we forget why were the Gospels written. In fact, Mark, most people believe that Mark was the first written account of Jesus. And it was probably... Um, at least 15 years after the crucifixion of Christ, Christ, before that, people were just telling what they had seen. It was all verbal. Mark is the first one, historically, to have written down an account of what happened. But I think sometimes we, like growing up in Sunday school, and I'm not saying this was my Sunday school teacher's fault, I'm just saying this was the impression that I got, was the Gospels were just kind of like a collection of lessons that Jesus taught almost. Like, we look at this, we look at that, and it wasn't until I was maybe in college that it, I, it dawned upon me, why were these Gospels written? And why were they written? Huh? As a witness? What do you mean? So, right? So it's a historical record. To do what, though? Yeah. It's to, it's to explain and to tell who Jesus is. And so Mark's gospel being the first one, the, the, the Holy Spirit uses the, the apostle Peter and his assistant Mark to give us this gospel, this record, this account of who Jesus is. So that's why they're written, to reveal Christ to us. So that's why there's a, there's a huge benefit in reading the gospels as a narrative and not just breaking them up into pieces, but reading it through. And so that's what this study, that's what it does. So, um, and that's in the bullet points. If, you, if you're on the inside, I'm on the inside of the notes now. Um, on the top, that very last bullet point, Christians believe that God has revealed himself in human history through Jesus Christ. That people say, well, I would like to know who God is. Well, Christians believe, we believe that God reveals himself to us through Jesus. And so when we look at Jesus, all the guessing games about God stop. If we want to know what God is like, we can look to Jesus. So let's, uh, let's finish with a couple of discussion questions here. I think these are, these are kind of interesting. First of all, maybe it's not now, because again, this is geared towards someone who may not be a believer at the point. Maybe you go back in time, or maybe there is something now. 
What now or in the past, is there anything that has intrigued you or puzzled you about Jesus? Anything that intrigues you or puzzles you or maybe did when you were first coming to faith or in your faith journey? Yes, Karina. Mm Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. We could have a, a deeper discussion on that. So, but that's a there's some theology there that. I, I, but that is an interesting thing that God became. He limited himself. This is the Christian message that God limited himself even to the form of a human. Now, if you want a quick statement on that, he did not set aside any of his deity, but he laid aside what people refer to as the prerogatives or the rights of his deity. So I do. I, I think that he, that he would have always had a consciousness of who he was, but physically would not have been able to express that, right? So that's how I would understand that. So that based on, uh, because if he's unaware at any point, then that's, that's losing some of his divinity. He's fully, the Christians believe, we believe, he is fully God, fully man. So he has this deity that he's well aware of internally, but he's not always able to physically express that based on the limitations that, although at any time he could have chosen to speed up his growth process or, do, or have creative ability. See what I'm saying? That's that, that, there's, well, all right, glad to help out. There we go. Uh, glad, you're glad you came just for that, right? Just put $5 in the plate on the way. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, uh, Anybody else? Something that was puzzling or intriguing to you about Jesus? Yes. Yeah. The attractiveness of Jesus. Right. Yeah, so that there was that that we'll see in Mark's gospel that attra- that attractional aspect of Jesus that even people that were nothing like him they just were they were drawn to him were attracted to him. When I was younger, I really struggled with. I just wished that Jesus would just say things a little bit more plainly. Sometimes, did anybody else ever have that when you're reading? Like, I would read the epistles of like Paul, and he would lay out like doctrine and stuff like carefully like a b c d and people come to jesus with a question and he responds with a question and i I just think it's interesting and it was that and, and i came to realize later on that's because he wasn't revealing all of himself at once he was progressively revealing himself he intentionally spoke that way and would would so that you have to get you have to read if you just go to chapter 11 and whatever Jesus says there is not the full picture because that's 
recorded to set us up so we learn something else about him. So it's only by completing our journey in the gospel that we get the full picture of Jesus. So that helped me like to stop looking at isolated conversations and put it in the whole of the whole record that we have of Jesus. Anybody else, something that puzzled you or maybe you struggled with when you were coming to faith about, um, about Jesus? Yeah, those are the kinds of things I'm talking about. Exactly. Like, why would you not tell, like, I did this miracle for you, but don't tell anybody. And then they do anyway. Yeah, exactly. Puzzling things. Yeah. Anybody, anything else? Okay. So, um, what do you think about this method? That's number two. And obviously, if there's, if, if you're doing this with somebody that is not a believer in Christ, that's how do you feel about reading Mark's gospel? Now, most of the people here, as far as I know, everyone here claims to be a believer, so you're probably like, sure, let's read Mark's Gospel. Sounds like a great idea. But what do you think about, what are your thoughts on this approach of evangelism and sharing the faith? Any, any thoughts on this? Right. Yeah. Right. And so we're taking it to basics, who is Jesus? In previous decades, that question people knew. They knew and they had a general belief. The focus was more on, do you really understand what Jesus did and what that means to you? But now it starts back, well, who is Jesus? Who do you think he is? Something else? Right. Right. We're more, we live in days very much more similar to the New Testament days when people had very different religious views, very different spirits. So the days that we live in now are much more similar to the time when Mark was written. So I'm excited about using this kind of method with when we deal with people because we're in the same we're in the same framework. What are you going to say, Charlie? Well, I was just going to say it might have been you that said it, but I heard somebody say once that it's it's harder now because we live in a pagan culture. But the good news is is that Christianity grew out of pagan culture. Exactly, because it was good news. It wasn't about Christians weren't trying to reclaim the good old days politically. They weren't trying to recreate a cultural mo- mo- movement. The Christians were clear on what their missions mission was. The mission was just tell everybody the good news, get the good news out. Yeah. I, I think also in the, in the since I've grown up, Christianity has been um, kind of in the world. 
intellectual and, and uh, you know, oh, if, you know, if you believe that stuff, then it's not really right. Right. And I think that this is this is a literary and intellectual way to show people that this, this is it's not stupid. This is the greatest, even apart from the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this is one of the greatest pieces of literature. Right. Right. And he made the point in the video, he said that even if you don't believe it, you should want to believe it. Because if it's true, if Christianity is true, it answers all of the questions of the problem of the world. So it's one thing to say, I just can't believe it. But to say that, but, but if somebody says it's not good news, then they don't have a full grasp of what the message really is. Carl, you're like chomping at the bit. Right. There are people who actually go up to the upside and do it for Islam. And what we have to do is go down mm. and allow their judgment because a lot of what people think they know is entirely false and it's just a strong There's a lot of hostility and it's a hostility strong. It's not just going to the Right. Yeah. That's a willingness to like, and that's if you read the New Testament, that's what Paul would do. He would go into the marketplaces and he would dialogue with people. He would go into the synagogues and he would explain the scriptures and he would go into the marketplaces and he would dialogue with people. I think as Christians, we, we, we need to learn that, you know, and I, which is why I really, I think Deborah and I have talked before, like we send missionaries to to places that are that are not friendly necessarily to Christianity, and sometimes we think, well, why aren't we doing the very same, using the same methods that our missionaries use? Because we live in essentially the same culture as a Europe or a, uh, a place like that. So it's yeah, I think also reading Mark's gospel um, is we 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 believe we have faith that the word of God has convincing power. That read it, and the Holy Spirit will make it make it known. Yes, sir. Yes, Jim. Right. Right. Yeah, and I think for us to have the expectation, for us to have the expectation that the churches are just going to fill up again, that's that's not reality. That's not what's what's going to happen. What's going to happen is what the New Testament church did. The Christians didn't stay and wait for their buildings to fill up. Half the time, they didn't even have buildings. They didn't wait for the building to fill up. They did what? They engaged people. They went out. They had conversations with people. They were good news people. They shared the good news. So, yes, Cheryl. Yeah. <laughs> It's very true, but I but 
have faith because with the right, and I think using questions is very good. I remember I've had people that I've worked with, I say, like I use the question, do you feel that you're a generally good person or a generally bad person? And almost everyone will say what? A generally good person, right? But then I've, I've, I said to them, I said to my coworkers, this might be six or seven years ago, I said, why is the world such a mess? I guess she couldn't answer the question. If people are generally good, so I think people in their deepest heart, if you can get them to think about it, people know that there's something broken. People know that there's something sinful, but it's, it's suppressed. We don't talk about it. We don't go there. We don't have that conversation. Um, but you're absolutely right, because it's good news if you, so put, you said something about the predicament that we're in. When you understand the predicament that people are in, but that's why in a very prosperous society, people tend to be less open to talking about these kinds of things. Um, but yeah, I think a great question to ask a friend is this. Let me ask you this. Have you ever read, for instance, one of the Gospels about that explains who Jesus is? Have you ever read that? And what do you think they, that many of them will say? No, I never have. So don't you, so then ask them this. Well, and ask, Jesus asked questions, Paul would ask questions. Ask a question and say, well, don't you think, wouldn't you agree that it would be good to read the source before you make a decision? Wouldn't you want to have all of the information before you make a decision well, you know, you know what I'm saying? But to, 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 to question like that and to train ourselves to talk with people that way. We're, gonna, we're going a little bit long. Um, the Passion of Christ? Yeah. <laughs> I know I know the story. The Passion of Christ. <laughs> she said, "There's a book." <laughs> yeah, that's. Um, but but yeah, but honestly, like, are we? And we've tried. I've tried. Like, if you check out our resource center, we've got all kinds of little you know, books or things we've, to, to try to, for people that we talk with that are open. There's many people that are, there are some people that are, uh, it, Ken and I have a mutual friend who's skeptical, but open. We have conversations with him. Um, there are people like that, and it's our job. It's our, it, that's why we're here. So, to, to conclude, because we're out of time, the way this works is you have homework, and we come back and we discuss the reading. It's just a couple of chapters in Mark, you read those chapters in Mark, ask some, answer some questions, and next week we come back ready to discuss it. But I do want you to pick up on the style that we're taking. If you have a friend or somebody and you say, hey, you know what, I was a little unsure, but now seeing the approach that we're going to have, we haven't gotten very far. So week two would be a great opportunity to bring someone. And we will um, we'll make sure that it is a no-pressure, non-hostile environment for people to hear to ask questions, um, and then, Lord willing, down the road, we'll be able to do this future times. Maybe you're here, 
and you're saying, you know what, I really like this. Maybe you would be somebody that would lead a Christianity Explored group occasionally in our church where we said, hey, you know, for this seven weeks, we want to have a, a, a group. It doesn't have to be on a Wednesday night. It could be a Friday. It could be whenever. But maybe you'd have a burden to say, you know what, I'd love to help lead people with something like this. So all kinds of things to, and we'll go through this series and see how God wants to use it in our church. But I hope that it kindles in, in Christians a desire to spread the good news and in our friends and acquaintances who don't know Christ, a genuine curiosity to see him. Let's close with a word of prayer tonight. Lord, I thank you so much for just this time we've had, and I pray that you would bless this, this uh, series. Lord, I pray that you would draw people here as well and help us to look for opportunities to speak and share the gospel with those that we know. So Lord, uh, we thank you. We pray that you'd bless the rest of this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. And thank you to those who joined us online tonight. We will end the broadcast right now. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, if you've placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You can also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.